0: Good morning, everybody. This is a day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And it is an honor and a privilege to be able to come to you today. And I am so grateful for the wonderful team of people that make it possible for me to be able to address you. I am very, very, very grateful for Tyrone Reed, and hours and hours that he is spending to make this presentation palatable and understandable. And so I want to give him special recognition. And I want to give special recognition to Aaron Hagman, serving our country in Alaska. Aaron, you watch this thing faithfully, and we all want you to know that we love you and we're proud of you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again. I'm reading to you today from Joshua chapter 7 and verse 7. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. So my subject for you to consider today, wherever you may find yourself, will simply be entitled, Alas or Alleluia. It's not a word that um, we use much anymore, but it is a word that's found very often in the Bible. Alas. The word alas is an expression of deep, disappointment, and great sorrow. And it is where I'm going to ask you to pitch your mental tent with me today for just a little while as we walk through the Word. What I've read to you is an account from the book of Joshua. They went into Canaan, and wow, it started off with an amazing victory at Jericho. But right after Jericho, Israel was routed by a group of people from a place called Ai. It was a humiliating defeat. And in response to this defeat, Joshua fell on his face and began to cry and complain and said, Alas, O Lord, why why in the world did you bring us here? And now we're going to be destroyed. He's, he's, this is such a depressing verse. He said, basically, I wish we had been content to stay on the other side of Jordan. And, uh, and he reminded, he, he, like all leaders, got very frustrated. And uh, he was ashamed. And he reminded the Lord that your name is on the line here. And the heathen are going to joke about you. And before he could get any further in, I guess it wasn't his prayer. It was really a complaint is what it was. This is what the Lord said in verse number 10. He said, get up. Get up and quit lying on your face and feeling sorry for yourself. And God very quickly informed him. Listen, fella, the problem's not me. The problem is these people you are leading, I told them not to take anything out of Jericho. Jericho was my tithe. Jericho was the tenth that belonged unto me. But someone took something that they weren't supposed to take. Now, when you go to the book of Numbers, it, of course, numbers the people and uh, it says there were 603,550 men over the age of 20 that were capable of going to war. We don't know how many men there were under the age of 20. There's no mention of how many women there were. And, of course, the tribe uh, um, uh, that, that the priest came from was never numbered. So it is very possible you're dealing with two million people. I don't know how long it would take to go tribe by tribe, family by family, but finally they uh, ferreted out a man by the name of Achan. It wasn't what Achan did in the tabernacle that got him in trouble. It's, it's what he did in his tent. And uh, it's, a, it's a pitiful picture of a group of people and their leader defeated by uh, pagans. And uh, if we're not careful, we can come to a place of defeat and shame. Joel talked about it one time. In Joel 2 and 17, he said, Where is their God? Well, let me explain something, first of all. The answer to that question is never going to be found in crying or blaming all of our problems on the fact that we crossed Jordan. I wish I had time to go into detail with you about what it really means to cross Jordan. But the truth is, is that God led those people into Canaan, and that wasn't the problem, Joshua's response, I, man, I wish we'd been content on the other side and not even being involved in this. It's a horrible way to look at things. The answer lies in what the Lord told Joshua. In chapter 7 and verse 13, he said, get up, sanctify yourself, sanctify the people. And this is what he said, sanctify yourself against tomorrow. Now we can live in fear and worry and wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. Or oh, we can do what the scripture says. Let's sanctify ourselves today. Because sanctifying ourselves today will, in fact, protect us tomorrow. This is going to be a mantra. This is going to be something that I'm going to repeat to you again and again and again throughout this whole virus episode. Get stronger while you're waiting. Quit waiting on whenever we can get back together at 39400 DeQuinder. The church service can no longer be your salvation. I, I personally am so excited about the options that are being offered to us now and the new doors that this is opening. And uh, I, I am very excited and have a lot of expectation for the people who call this place home that when we do get together finally, you're gonna be stronger than the last time I saw you. And I'm looking forward to meeting a stronger brother and a stronger sister. Because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And uh, here's, here's another alas. It's in 1 Kings 13 and 30. And he laid his carcass in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. Israel had a wicked king named Jerahum. He is so wicked, in fact, that he's not even mentioned in the lineage of kings recorded in the book of Matthew. <laughs> For some time now, I, I've wanted to go through the Word and uh, talk about the unnamed ones. I won't do it today. It's like that woman with the might. We don't know what her name was. This is another story about someone that we don't know their name. The Lord sends an unnamed prophet to the king and he says now when you get there i want you to correct this king and i don't want you to accept any hospitality in bethel and i want you to go there i want you to correct that king and i want you to come back home immediately and he did that he rebuked that king and uh the king received his correction and wanted to bless him and wanted to, to to give him favor and and uh, wanted to shower him with stuff. And the prophet passed the test. No, sir, I'm not here to get any money from you. I'm not here to take any blessing from you. I'm here to, to give you the word of the Lord, and I'm on my way back home. Before he can get back home, the Bible said he meets an old prophet. And he convinces him to stay in his house. And that unnamed prophet, who turned down the offer of a king, but gave in to another prophet, died, and a lion killed him. And what I have read to you is the eulogy It's what you say about somebody at the graveside. 1 Kings 13 and 30 is the eulogy as the old prophet buried this man in what the Bible said was his own tomb. All he could say was, Alas, my brother. This is a perfect place for me to remind all of us that while you're sheltering in place, things are going to come to an end. And this is going to be over before too long. There will be a great desire when that happens to reacquaint yourselves with your brothers and sisters. Now the world, when they get together, they usually uh, drink. We, we call it fellowship. <laughs> we eat. And uh, I have said for years that there's very little good conversation after ten o'clock at night when you do come together when this is over don't stay so long at someone 's house that you run out of good things to talk about, and your brain quits working, and your mouth keeps talking here 's what amazes me: this man was on the the cusp of stardom he is about to become quite possibly one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Instead, he dies nameless, buried in somebody else's grave, and the only word that could be spoken over him was, Alas. Ladies and gentlemen, the conviction that many people have felt in church have been lost during a a dinner after church. This revival hit the rocks and the king reverted back to his old ways because the prophet was seduced not by a pagan heathen king but by another Pentecostal. Nothing destroys the work of the Lord more than the fall of the righteous. Nothing destroys the work of the Lord more. Than what comes out of our mouth. Life and death are in the power of our tongue. God is working through this episode. And I have pledged myself along with you to the Lord that the harvest will happen if the preacher and the people are disciplined enough to say no. The third, alas, is found in 2 Kings 6 and 5. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Second Kings is the account uh, of a prophet by the name of Elisha who has what I guess I would call an Old Testament Bible school for preachers. And these, either preachers in training, uh they, they were cutting down trees to make beams, quite possibly to make a dorm for their new Bible school. And to the horror of one, as he swung his axe, he had that unique feeling of that axe not developing momentum, but actually getting lighter through the ark. And it ended not with that satisfying crush of that metal cutting through that tree, but rather with a whack and the subsequent bounce of a hickory handle off of a stubborn tree. And he looked up in time to see the head of that axe skipping across the lake and settling quickly into murky water. And he screams to his prophet, alas, master, it was borrowed. Now there are many applications about these verses that you could make, but one is very obvious to me when it simply says, it was borrowed. I I was a country boy, hillbilly kid in West Virginia. I've done enough chopping in my time to know that the only part of the ax that really does the work is the head. For years, if you've been around me at all, you've heard me pray a prayer. It's not a prayer that I've ever heard anybody else pray. It is my personal prayer that I, that I recount and repeat many, many times. And it simply goes like this. Lord, I'm a common man. I have no power of my own. The only power I have is leased or borrowed from you. And when I read this story, it immediately reminds me again. We can't do this by ourselves. That wonderful scripture in Zechariah 4 and 6 says, Not by might, or not by our might, not by our power, but by your Spirit. That's how some Listen to the last words of Mark. Mark 16 and 20, And they went forth, And preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. It's one thing to work for the Lord, but it's a totally different thing to work with him. And I learned a long time ago you can get so busy working for God that you can actually lose touch with the God that you claim to be working for. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there are people who walk with God and then there are people who walk with people that walk with God. Abraham walked with God. Lot walked with Abraham. Elijah, he walked with God and he had a servant by the name of Elisha But if you know your word, Elisha got the mantle, Elisha got the double portion. So Elijah walked with God and his servant, Elisha, walked with God. And when Elisha became the prophet, Elisha had a servant by the name of Gehazi. But Gehazi didn't walk with God. He just hung out with Elisha. Paul walked with God. Demas, he just walked with Paul. There are some people who are just out going for a walk, and they're not walking with him. They just want to hang out with people that do. You're going to need your own walk. Jesus told the story in Luke 11 of a man who had an unexpected guest. And in Luke 11, of 5, and he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say, Friend, lend me three loaves. This is the story of the church. We have a hungry world that's showing up on our doorstep right now. And the only thing that's really going to work right now is borrowed bread. What a wise church it is that can get up even at midnight and seek the Lord and say, you are the bread of heaven. You, you, we can't feed these people. By the, our pitiful efforts aren't going to work. You're going to have to help us, Lord. We're going to have to borrow some bread in order to feed these hungry. My message is simple: this can't be a church of handles. A lot of preachers with handles. Too many handles in the kingdom. Not enough axe heads. The answer is just as simple as the message. Because when that man cried out, Master, it's borrowed. This is what Elisha responded to him in 2 Kings 6 and 6. He said, where, 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 where fell it? In other words, where did you lose it at? You see, the, the, the message is simple. But the answer to lost power is just as simple. Let's go back to where we lost it. And I love this verse, and he showed him the place. And that's my prayer to anyone who's lost their power. God, show us the place where we lost it. And give us the good grace to be able to go back to that place and retrieve that which we lost. Thank God the young man had enough sense to stop when he realized it was gone. How foolish it is to try to cut down a forest with a handle. And how foolish it is to try and have a harvest without conviction and without the power of God. And as horrible as this may sound to some that are listening to me right now, I say thank God for stopping our lives to give us time to find whatever it is we may have lost. There's a scripture that said you you lost your first love. And of course, John was talking about the Lord, but it could be something else to you. Maybe your first love was your spouse. This is a time when you can renew your love for each other. My wife and I have been planning meals together, cooking together. I've heard about many of you going on walks together. And dare I even say it, how about talking? Have you ever heard of that? (laughs) Recently... Renee and I prayed together and did a prayer meeting together. The response online stunned us with how many people saw it and how many people shared it with other people. Is it possible that you can come out of this episode more in love with your spouse than when you went into it? How about making memories with your children? How about let's have a puzzle revival? What's wrong with the family getting together and doing a puzzle? Don't just keep scurrying back into your cave with your book or your iPad or your laptop and, if anything, growing further apart from the people than when you actually started this thing. I wonder how many babies are going to be born in December, nine months from now. I wonder how many babies, trust me, we're going to have more babies born on Christmas Day this year than ever before. And I wonder if the divorce rate will reflect it as well. While you're together, <clears throat> find your first love. It amazed me to read immediately after the episode of the Restored Axe Head. Elisha finds himself, as we are, quarantined in a city, with, of course, Gehazi. And the servant got up on the walls and looked around the city and saw all the enemy. And this is what he said in Second Kings six and fifteen. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, alas, my master, what are we going to do? Does that sound familiar right now? What are we going to do? That's the question that's got the world frozen right now. Well, this was the answer that the prophet gave Gehazi. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Gehazi, all he saw was enemies everywhere, but Elisha, all he saw was angels everywhere. Read Ephesians chapter 6. We're up against the unseen power that controls the world and spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil. Teddy Roosevelt had a dog that fought all the time, but it always lost. And when Teddy was talking about it, he said, he's a great fighter. He's just a poor judge of dogs. Don't you underestimate the enemy we're up against right now. Quit your adversaries and discounting your allies. If you want a homework assignment from the pastor right now, memorize Psalms thirty-four. I will, I will, I will. You've got to. This is volition. This is a, 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 a decision that I will bless the Lord at all the times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. And they looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. How about this verse? The angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the man (coughs) that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. We are not just surrounded. Angels, ladies and gentlemen, that's what it says. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible said if we have fear of him, don't fear corona, don't fear... Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Angels will camp around you. The Bible says that the saints of the ages, it said, wherefore seeing we are compassed about... With such a great cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and run with patience the race. You see, this event is not new. Years ago, Paul listed his enemies. He said, what about tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? You'd think that would be enough. But he goes on and says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth. And when he couldn't think of anything else he added this nor any other creature is going to be able to separate me from the love of God. Are, are we going to keep groaning about our adversaries or are we going to glory about our allies? Replace alas with hallelujah. Read Revelation. Babylon is destroyed and gone in chapter 18. 18 and 10. Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, for in one hour thy judgment is come. Now go to the very next chapter and listen what it says in chapter 19 and verse 1. After these things, I heard a great voice of much people saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Here's verse three. Again, this multitude said, hallelujah. Here's verse four. The four and 20 elders fell down, worshiped the one that was on the throne saying, hallelujah. Here's verse six. And I heard as it were a voice of a great multitude, the voice of many waters, the voice of mighty thundering saying, hallelujah, the Lord omnipotent reigneth. I hope you listen to my Bible lessons on a tale of two cities, Babylon and the new Jerusalem. Babylon, alas, is gone. But the new Jerusalem remains filled with a great multitude saying, Alleluia. So beyond the alas of a doomed Babylon lies the alleluia of a new Jerusalem. I am not a citizen of an earthly Babylon. I am a citizen in heaven. And my civic pride is not in that which man builds up. But my hope is in the city that the Lord sends down. Determine now which of these two great cities you belong to. What's it going to be, Babylon or the new Jerusalem? Is it going to be alas or hallelujah? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, and I am so grateful, God, to be alive, still have the ability and the power to be a witness unto you and to your glory. Along with another man, if I live, then I live unto him. And if I die, I die unto him, because to live is Christ, and to die is glory. And I thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in our heart, and I am grateful, God, for what you're doing in this world right now, humbling us. Nothing, nothing prepares a people for a harvest and a revival like humility. You resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And right now, Lord, this world is being offered an amazing offer of grace. And we're going to receive it. And we're going to worship in advance to the harvest that you're going to allow and permit us to have on the other side of this. Because we make a covenant with one another and with you. We're going to get stronger while we're waiting. And our alasses of fear are going to be replaced with our alleluias of faith. In Jesus' name we pray and call it done. Amen. God bless every one of you, and we'll be together soon. God bless you.